morning, good morning. Welcome this morning to Milestone Church. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. And just as Alex and Allie said, uh, if this is your first time, we're thrilled that you've joined us today. We know each and every weekend it's someone's first time. And that's a big deal to us. And so if I haven't had a chance to meet you, I look forward to meeting you after service. Thank you again for being here this morning. Well, it is a very special weekend. It's Next Gen Weekend. You're thinking, what is going on here? I mean, we got kids dancing and kids singing and all. What are we doing? Well, we take a moment throughout the course of uh, one time a year to just highlight what we do throughout the course of a year. We believe, as they just got done singing, that was a milestone original that was written by our team, uh, and it, it really signifies what we believe, that you don't have to wait to be great. You can be a great kid, you can be a great teenager, a great student, that God can use you wherever you're at. I don't know about you, but when I was growing up, there was kids' church, there was youth church, and there was big church. You know what I'm talking about? There is no big church. We are the church. And what I love is this, is that we firmly believe that the greatest display of God's love is a multi-generational church that comes together, young and old, worshiping and serving together. And so we just take one time out of the year to highlight that. And so I'm so grateful, so proud of these students that have been a part. I mean, think about it. I think of Liam being up here, middle schooler. I mean, he's reading the scripture, he's encouraging. If I asked any of you, hey, will y'all get up here, say something, read a scripture and pray, you'd be like, I'm leaving this church, I don't want anything to do it. <laughs> Yet up here as a middle schooler, sharing what God's doing in his life, Addie, sharing what God's doing, yeah. It's exciting to see, and here's what I love the most is, I mean, they're talking about, yes, they're involved in Elevate and different things like that, but it's more than an environment. It's more than, and, and environments are important. Don't get me wrong. I'm going to talk about the importance of that. It's more than milestone church. The power of them being up here is them saying and sharing what God is doing in their life. Because we firmly believe that young people can have a personal relationship with Jesus. And they can do great things because of who Jesus says they are. And because they know who they are in Him. And so we're going to celebrate and highlight that today. Uh, we are going to continue. I wanna, I'm so grateful last week. Pastor Jeff shared uh, the second part of our series, Subject to Change. And so if you're new with us, every weekend, uh, we don't necessarily have Next Gen Weekend, but you do see young people as a part of what we're doing each and every weekend. But we're in the middle of a series called Subject to Change. I'm going to be uh, picking back up, and we'll be continuing this next week. And we're just unpacking and looking, what does it look like? To navigate biblically the twists and turns of life. How many of you know it doesn't matter good or bad. We all are experiencing transition. It's hard. And transition is hard. So how do we navigate that biblically? What does it look like? We're going to continue to journey together on that. We have small groups starting up. Uh, I believe next week as well. And so there's a lot going on, a lot of things, a lot of ways for you to jump in to be a part for your students, for your children, and for you as adults as well. And so we'll be picking that up, uh, picking back up with that next week. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Open up your Bibles, Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 21. And just kind of put your finger there in your Bible, hold your spot, and turn to Psalms 127 verse 1. And we're going to get there in just a minute. We're going to look at uh, we're going to look at these scriptures and and unpack what does it look like to really invest in and build the next generation. Uh, it's amazing. I love it. I love 
I love this weekend, uh, young people holding signs, greeting and welcoming, young people worshiping, young people on the platform. Yeah, and you may go, well, man, this is just for, this church is just for young people. What about the wiser generation? You know, I got a little gray hair. I mean, I'm, I, I'm quickly getting into the wiser generation. I'm 43 now, and as much as I like to think I'm closer to the younger generation, I'm actually getting closer to the wiser generation, which I'm not mad about, you know. I'm, it's cool, you know, I love it. But I want you to know, just as I said, multi-generational doesn't just mean a representation of young people. It's old as well. It's the wiser generation as well. You play a part. And when you think about that, we're all in different seasons. We all have different seasons, and we have to navigate seasons. Some of you, 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 you are not married yet, but you're hoping to get married one day soon, right? Find that, that right person. You're ready to start a family. Maybe you're married and you're about to start having kiddos. Maybe you have little ones. Maybe you have teenagers. Maybe your kids are gone. They're out of the house. You're an empty nester. Every part plays its part, and every role is significant and important. But I think about the season I'm in, and, and the truth is it's a season that, that many of you are in. It's getting kids to school. It's, it's navigating their schedules. And, and I don't know about you, but it's amazing how in the summer my children, they don't sleep in. It's like when, when the weekend comes around, you want to sleep in, but they get up early. They wake you up early, right? And it's like, what are you doing? But it's amazing how the first day of school comes, those kids don't sleep in. You got to go in there, hang them upside down, throw water on them, get them up out of bed. I mean, they are, they are, they or they do sleep in. They don't get up early, and they're like, "Hey, where? Oh, I can't. I need to eat." And it's a full-on covert operation to get your kids out of the door for school. But then you have school pickup. You know what I'm talking about? That pickup line. I mean, I'm not saying it's of the devil, but I am saying. It's been hot and it's long. I mean, it, it sounds a lot like, I mean, eternity. And I mean, I'm just saying, okay. It's, I mean, it's, I'm like, what is happening? I mean, you got to plan your whole day. And then when you got kids at two different schools, which is where we're at now, we got a middle schooler and we got elementary. And you're like, you like divide and conquer. Like, how are we going to do this? And then you're like, okay, one day they're going to drive. Then you wrap your brain around the fact that your child that is like 16 years old, all of a sudden the state and yourself, it felt like it's a good idea to put them behind a moving vehicle, moving at rapid uh, rate of speed, and you're like, what is happening? Is this real life? What are we doing? And, and you think about the seasons that you're in. And this is what I've learned about seasons is as you navigate seasons, there's times where you're really excited about stuff. You get passionate about it. I'll be honest, I kind of like like the whole like back to school stuff. Like I'm not really into like let's find all the like, uh, uh, you know, school supplies. Wendy, you know, she'll do that. And she's actually gotten to it where it's like school's like just give us your money and here we'll send you a box of school supplies. We're like take my money. I don't want to go like shop for school supplies, right? But I do kind of like the like, you know, back to school like clothes shopping. You go pick out shoes and backpacks. It's kind of fun. You get into it and you start researching and you're all like, What's the best thing, like, you know, and headphones and all these things, right? Now these kids get laptops, and Camden's like, Dad, I need a laptop cover. And I was like, okay, cool, let's get a laptop cover. I mean, I don't know. But th there's times where you're navigating, how do I pick up the kids and my schedule, and it's overwhelming. Then there's times where there's things that you're passionate about. But, but here's what I know. Whether you're passionate about it or overwhelmed about it, you just constantly think about it nonstop. And when I think about the season of life that at times many of us can be in, when we think about our children and we think about our families, it's what we're most passionate about. 
It's what we're, we're dialed into. It's what we want to figure out. It's what we want to know. It's what we, we, it's what we need help with. And I want you to know, part of the reason why we have weekends like this is because for us as a church family, for us as Milestone McKinney, we're passionate about this generation. We wake up every morning, we have a team that wakes up every morning thinking about how do we serve you? How do we help you? How do we help your child? How do we help your teenager? How do we help you take next steps? How do we help them take next steps? And how do we help them grow in their relationship with Jesus? We're passionate about this, and it means a lot to us. And when I think about the importance of family, I think about the importance of this generation. The verse that comes to mind the most oftentimes is Psalms 127. Some of you are going to recognize this scripture. You can open up your Bible, Psalms 127, verse 1. If you don't have your Bible, it'll be on the screen. We can read along together. And here's what it says, Psalms 127, verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Now he's reiterating a principle here. Unless the Lord is involved, we're doing it in vain. And here's the result of vanity, anxiety. I don't know about you, but have you ever felt anxious about your student, your child, your teenager? Have you ever felt anxious about your family and decisions and you work so hard to try and figure it out and make it happen? And here's what the psalmist is saying. It's all vanity. And for the young people in here, the same is true. Unless the Lord is helping you in the decisions you're making as you navigate school, as you navigate your classes, as you go and as high school continues and you're trying to figure out what college you're going to go to and all the different things and the pressures that are on you, can I tell you, unless the Lord helps you, it's all in vain. So what's the psalmist saying? He's saying, listen, there's a principle here that I want to help you understand. There's a foundation I want you to lay. Now, the psalmist continues, and he goes on, and he ties us into the blessing for us as parents that we have as children, with, for, with our children. It says, verse 3, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, are the children of one's youth. Blessed is a man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Now, I want you to recognize what's happening here in this scripture. The second part is helping you understand these little kiddos that you got, these teenagers that are driving you crazy, they're a blessing. Just remember that. Mom, dads, just remember that. You teenagers, you're going to go home. Mom, I'm a blessing. Just remember. You know. You're welcome. You're blessed. That's me. Okay. But it also says that the first part of this scripture, what? They can cause a whole lot of anxiety. And you're trying to build something, you're trying to figure this out, and you're just going, help me out here, what do I do? And it really is very simple but not easy. He's saying, unless the Lord is helping you do it, it's vanity. It's vanity. You're just toiling, toiling. I love the words that the psalmist used, toil, anxiety, vanity. I mean, those are strong words. See, the principle applies whether you're a parent raising children, whether you're a young person trying to build something and figure out what am I going to do with my life. Unless the Lord is helping you, you're toiling, it's vanity, and it's only going to result in anxiety. But there's a better way. You see, he's talking about foundations here. 
And if you've ever built anything, and maybe you haven't physically built something, but if you've ever seen anything built or you know about things being built, anything that is going to last needs a good foundation. And that's really the key. We don't want to just build a house of cards. We're trying to build something that lasts. Well, you need a good foundation. And that's what Jesus is talking about here in Mark chapter 10. He's been talking and sharing and preaching. I want to give you a little context, a little background about what's happening here in this conversation that he has with an individual. He's been preaching and sharing about foundations and the importance of foundations and what it looks like to build a foundation. And a young man comes to him. In fact, this young man, we don't even know his name. It says that he was a rich, young ruler. That's all we know about him. So guess what that means? That brother had money. That's pretty much, I mean, when, when you're just, you have, you have no name, you're just a rich, young ruler, you got money. And so that's here, this, this individual, that's how he's described. He comes to Jesus, and he's trying to figure out the foundation How do I do this thing? And he does exactly what many of us do. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? But think about that. Do. That's what we all want to know. Pastor Chris, tell me what to do. How do I do do this thing with with my kids and family and my teenage? Alex, what do I need to do to connect with my teenage? What do I need to do? And that's what we dial into. But what I love about Jesus, we always come to him with tell me what to do. And he comes back to us with, let me tell you who you need to become. He always comes to the heart issues because the foundational principle and truth of anything that we're going to do when we're going to build something that lasts is always tied to an issue of the heart. It's always tied to a foundational issue. And so Jesus answers the young man. And it's almost like he's toying with him a little bit. He's not being sarcastic. But he answers his question about what must I do. So what Jesus does is he tells him, well, follow all the commandments. And he begins to recite a few of the Ten Commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not have any other gods before me. And here's what the rich young ruler says. He says, well, I've been doing all these things since my youth. Well, there's hope for you. So any of you that that think, man, I tell my teenager what they should do, and they go, I know, Mom, I know, I know, Dad, I've been doing Okay, it didn't start with them. Your kid isn't the only one that does that. It started back here in the Bible, okay? Rich young ruler, he started it first, all right? I'm sure there were others before him. That's the normal nature of people. Oh, well, I've been doing the things that that I, I should be doing. I've already been doing that stuff. And this is where we pick up in verse 21, and watch what Jesus does in the young man, in response to the young man, says, well, I've been doing all this stuff. Here's what he says, verse 21. He says, and Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. I love what Jesus did. It says that he looked at him and he loved him. What did he do? He corrected him. You see, correction is love. Correction is not rejection. Mom, dad, when you correct your child, you're just shifting their perspective. But the reality is you're actually not worried about your child feeling corrected, I mean rejected because you're correcting him. You're worried about the rejection you're going to feel when you correct your child. And until you get past that, then you won't love them enough to tell them what they need to hear. This is what Jesus did, and this is what he modeled for all of us. As individuals, as friends, as parents, as leaders, is 
you look, he looked and said, I love, and then he said this. He said, one thing you lack. Well, what is that one thing? Well, principally, what Jesus is talking about here is not about money. You see, the disciples are actually confused. There's, if you were to continue to read, the disciples are asking these questions of Jesus. They're like, what, what are we talking about? Like, can rich people get to heaven? What are we going to do? How do we do this? And Jesus is going, hold on, you're missing it, guys. This isn't about money. This is about stewardship. And the one thing that the rich young ruler lacked was this, surrender. 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 See, he said, look, go and sell everything. Get rid of all your possessions and come follow me. You see, the premise and the principle of what Jesus was asking was saying, come follow me. But for every single one of us, there's something that we're going to have to learn to surrender if we're going to actually follow him. Well, the greatest thing all of us want as parents and the greatest thing that we want as a church for young people, students, like teenagers and kids, is that they learn and understand what it looks like to actually surrender their life to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's the thing that's going to make the difference, is that they leave your home knowing they have a personal relationship with Jesus and they can hear the leading of the Holy Spirit. You see, this is so key and so important. It's why this is so important for us this weekend. What we do as a whole is so important for us as a church because it's not easy to be a teenager. It's not easy even to be a kid. When I was growing up, I had to go find trouble. Now, I was pretty good at finding it, unfortunately, okay, but I had to go, I had to look for it. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you, you grew up in that age. If you wanted trouble, you had to go like really look for it. Nowadays, Kids don't have to really look for it. It's right there. Trouble will find them. And oftentimes it comes in the context of their screen that they have next to them. And you could be sitting in your living room watching a show with your spouse and your kid is being exposed to something 15 feet away in their bedroom. Because the enemy doesn't play fair and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So we're passionate about this because it's hard being a young person. It's hard being a student. I was talking to a friend of mine and his daughter. We were having a conversation. She's a junior. And she was talking about, I was like, she's like, do you remember your junior year? I'm like, well, I'm 43. Let me think back. Not really. But I do remember I had a lot of fun. My junior year, I'm just having fun. She's like, oh, my gosh, it's so hard. Like, I'm thinking about what college do I need to attend? i got to apply this and here and da-da-da. She's applying all them. we got to go on all these trips. And i got to do ACT, SAT, da-da-da, all the pressure. There is so much pressure on young people and on students today. In fact, I saw this statistic this week. The National Mental Health Institute did a face-to-face survey of over 10,000 adolescents. And here's what they discovered. 31.9%, that's over one in four students, have been diagnosed with some form of anxiety disorder. That's a lot. Why? Because of the overwhelming pressure... Students feel and young people feel that they don't measure up and their real life doesn't measure up to someone else's social feed that they're watching. What's crazy, though, is there is 66% of parents that have no screen time limitations for their children. And then we wonder, why are they so exposed? Because let me tell you something. The devil's not waiting. He's coming after them. And he's saying, let me just bring it to them. Let me bring it to them. And they don't even realize it. That's why I get, I personally get passionate about this. I got saved at 19 years old, and from that time, I'm like, man, here I am now, 
20 plus years in ministry, I find myself still always coming back to having a passion and involved and engaged in student ministry. I believe in this generation, these young people within this room. I believe in the kids that are back there. What I love is those kids aren't up here. They didn't, they didn't sing that song and do all that because it's next gen weekend and they practice that for this weekend. You want to know what they do? They do that on a regular basis, leading kids in Milestone Kids every single week. Why? Because we believe you don't have to wait to be great. You can be a young person impacting the next generation, even if the next generation is just a few years younger. So we get passionate. We're focused on this. And we not only are focused on it in helping establish and create that, we also want to help you as parents and as mom and dad. You see, there's so many things that are coming at our children every single day that is impacting this next generation. And so we can worry, oh, what do we do, what do we do? And we can spend so much energy trying to keep them from everything. But let me help you. The, the truth is this. We can't protect our kids from everything, but we can prepare them for anything. Because they have established their own personal relationship with Jesus. You can't protect them from everything, but you can't prepare them for anything. And that is the win. How do we do that? Well, that's, that's why we do what we do as a church. Okay. And I'm going to share with you some of those things that we do as a church. But you may be sitting here and going, okay, well, help me. Give me some practical stuff when it comes to being a parent. Well, I, I want to help you with that because here's the thing. You can hear those statistics about anxiety and being overwhelmed and all of that stuff, but I see a lot of hope. I see a lot of hope in, in what God is doing and what he has done. I see hope because I look back at what God did even this past summer. We took more kids to camp and retreats this past summer. There were 27 uh, children, middle school and high school students that gave their life to Jesus this past summer. There were six kids, six students, six high school students called into full-time ministry at camp. Can I tell you something? God is working. I think of the story of young people. I remember hearing the story of a young lady. She just wanted to hear God and speak to her. And I, I heard the story of this young lady. She's just going, I just want to have a healthy, successful family. She just wanted to be a good mom. She heard the Lord say, you're going to be a great mom. Something as simple as that, that speaks life and truth. There were young people that walked away going, Mom, Dad, I'm going to step aside. I'm going to still be involved in a certain uh, realm of athletics, but I'm not going to be all in in this particular area because I know that God's called me to focus on who he's called me to be, and he's called me to full-time ministry. We're talking about high schoolers hearing God's voice and saying, I want to take the next step. And who God's called me to be. There is hope. And this generation doesn't have to be like every other statistic. But make no mistake, the reason I share that is because the battle that they feel and they experience is very real and very true. And there's a part that you play as mom and dad. There's a part that you play as spiritual family. There's a part that we play as a church family. In seeing the next generation raised up and fulfill who God's called them to be. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Because you think about raising kids. Raising kids isn't easy. It's not Raising godly kids isn't easy either. That's even harder. Raising kids in and of themselves is hard, much less raising godly children. And, and you know, I think about this all the time. We'll do, Wendy and I will do premarital counseling, and we'll tell these young couples, hey, just so you know, let me, let me level the playing field here. What you're about to do, get married, hardest thing you're ever going to do in your entire life. Hardest thing. 
And anyone that tells you that marriage isn't hard, they're just, they just got roommates. They're cohabitating, okay? That's it. That's, that's you know, you just got roommates. That's it. Marriage is the hardest thing you will ever do, but it's the most rewarding. Second hardest thing you'll ever do is be a parent, but it's the second most rewarding. It takes work. So how do we do that? Because I also want to give you some practical things, how to help you win with your children and with your teenagers. Well, here's the first thing I want to give you. If you're going to raise up the next generation, how do we raise up the next generation? How do we build the next generation as a church family? But how do you do that personally, individually? And I want you to know, whatever season you're in, this is applicable. You may not be married yet. You may not have kids yet. You may have young kids. You may. All of this is foundation. Because when you get this perspective in you and you begin to view life this way, when you begin to view family this way, it changes how you interact. It changes the direction you're going. It changes the mile markers and, and the things that matter the most so that you can build something that will last. Well, here's the first thing. First thing is this. Find peace in knowing God is with you. God's with you. You don't have to do it by yourself. Go back to Psalms 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, you labor in vain. He is with you. He is for you. He's going to help you. The thought is this. You know, if, if I can control all these things, your role is not to control, mom and dad. You can't control. You want to know why? Because your kids are going to do what they want to do. You want to know how I know? Because those students' parents do what they want to do. That's you, mom and dad. You're going to do what you want to do, when and where and how you want to do it. And those students, those children, those kids, those teenagers, they're just small little microcosms of you. Okay? So you can't control it, but here's what you can do. You can partner with God. And you can say, okay, God, I'm going to allow myself to be a conduit. And here's what that looks like. What that looks like is you model it. You live it out. It's not what you do. Or what you say, it's how you say what you say and how you do what you do. I'm guilty. Trust me. One of the greatest tools the Lord gave me was getting down on my knee because my kids are shorter than me. And saying, I'm sorry, baby, I repent. I was a little harsh with my words. Please forgive me. Greatest thing you can do as a parent sometimes is ask for forgiveness. You see, you can model you can model, and it's not about, you don't have to feel like the pressure, i got to be perfect. I gotta, you don't have to be perfect, but you model it, and when you model it, you become a conduit, and now you allow God to help you. You can't control it, you can't fix it, you can't change it, but you can be a conduit. And so when you have peace in knowing that he's with you and for you, it helps you build the next generation because you're not doing it by yourself. You don't have to figure it out on your own, and you don't have to be perfect. But here's the second thing that's so important. You need to focus on transferring biblical values, not getting them information or giving information. I love what Deuteronomy 6, 6-7 says. Verse 6, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise again. You see, there is something that begins to happen when you begin to give your children biblical values, not just simply information. Not just simply go, oh, okay, here, I got you another devotional book. Oh, here's another Bible. Oh, here, read it. Those are all well and good. But if you think just giving them information or giving them some tools, they're just going to wake up one day and go, oh, thank you. 
this is awesome. Yes, I'm going to do this. They ain't going to do it. Because information doesn't transform. Values transform. Values transform lives. And the reason this is so important is this. This generation is the first global generation. One-third of the Earth's population, that's roughly 2.3 billion people, are connected through social media. That's going to grow to in about 10 to 15, uh, about 10 to 15 percent over the next decade. What does that mean? That means the barriers of information have come down. The access that they have and the things at their fingertip, the ability to live here in McKinney, Texas, in Collin County, and feel as though they are connected to someone on the other side of the world is only going to increase. So the reality is you giving them information isn't going to change them. What has to happen is you give them biblical values. You help them understand what it looks like. Because when that happens, you are, you are allowing them to experience something and see something different than what they are simply hearing. You know what I'm talking about. Here's what it sounded like when you and I were growing up. Do what I say, not what I, yeah, it's amazing. All of our parents must have gone to the same parenting school. And we vowed, I'm never going to do that, I'm never going to say that. But we do. When we do one thing and say another, when we say one thing and do another. And we want our kids to grow up loving the Lord. We want our kids growing up putting Christ first. We want our kids to learn to grow and go to Him and respond correctly. Yet in the same hand, we don't model that. Now, I know what you're thinking. Golly, Pastor Chris, are you like, this is just like punching bag to, to moms and dads? No, this is helping all of us understand what it looks like to raise the next generation. Because the devil is no respecter of ignorance. And just because you didn't realize what you were doing or not doing and how it impacted your teenagers doesn't mean the devil's going, oh, they didn't know any better. I'll ease up on these teenagers. Mm-mm. He's coming at it. Why? Because this generation has a destiny and a purpose. And God is going to do great things in store, has great things in store for them and do great things in them. And you get to play a part as mom and dads. You're, raising, you're taking those arrows, as Psalms 127 said, and you're launching them as missionaries into the next generation. You didn't know you were raising up missionaries, did you? Because they're going to go into a day and age that you aren't going to go in. And you're launching them into a day and age that you will not see one day. Because one day you will breathe your last breath, but they will still be living. And so we recognize and see the importance of, okay, I want to establish biblical values, not just simply give great information. Which ties into the third thing. If we're going to raise the next generation, we have to prioritize getting them in the right environments. Psalms 144.12 says, May our sons in their youth be like plants full grown and our daughters like corner pillars cut for the structure of a palace. You see, this is why it's so important you go back to biblical value. Hey, put God first, put Jesus first. But it's amazing how as moms and dads, we overfill our schedule. And if something's going to suffer, if something's going to take a back seat, it's amazing how all of a sudden it can be the environments that really are going to help them grow in their relationship with Christ. Because why? Because we don't love Jesus? No. But because we haven't learned to manage our life and we are prioritizing things other than the most important environments. Well, I love it. And I see that, look, here's the thing. I, this is not theory for me. I'm living this. My kids are in Milestone Kids. My, my daughter is in Elevate. I want her in this environment. Because here's what begins to happen. 
She doesn't look at me and listen to me like, oh, that's Pastor Chris. Yeah, Dad. That, I mean, Pastor Chris. She don't call me Pastor Chris. She called me Dad. You know, she's like, oh, Pastor Chris, that was awesome. Great message today. She's like, oh, okay, Dad. I'll tell her something. I'm like, baby, hey, da, da, da. oh, okay, Dad. Rich young ruler, you know. I, I know, I know. Okay. But all of a sudden, she'll go hang out with Haley or Allie or maybe one of these other students that maybe like a high school student that, that is in her life. And they'll tell her the exact same thing I just got done saying. And she'll come home and she'll go, Haley is a genius. Here's what she said. She's so wise. It's, I'm like, I just said the same thing. We all need that. So I'm telling you, I'm not talking to you just as Pastor Chris. Yes, I am from the standpoint of I want to help you and I want what's best for you as your pastor. But I'm also talking to you as a dad who I'm living this out. I want them in the right environment. I want that. My daughter was at middle school camp experiencing all those things, experiencing God's presence. When they go into Milestone Kids, you don't have to wait to be great. You can be a great kid. That's not just a slogan. We're teaching them that, showing them that. In fact, the, I want to show you because you may not know this. Here's the Milestone uh, Kids Ministry, five milestones for, for, for the kids ministry. One, know God's love. Two, follow Jesus. Grow in God's word. Honor others and make good friends. So when they're back there, there's not just song and dance and a message and all these things. These values are being instilled in them. These are biblical values. There's scripture being given to them. And so as we do this back there and you're doing it at home, what happens? They begin to grow in the fear and admonition of the Lord. They begin to grow in wisdom and in stature. And in favor with God and man. That's our prayer. That's our, that's our desire. That's what we want to see happen. So my kids are in these environments. I see it. That's why we, we encourage camps and, and, and retreats and Wednesday nights and all those things for Elevate students. I know you're busy. And I know part of you being busy is your kid's schedule. And oftentimes the lens that we view through is can I fit church in? Let me help you. Perhaps it would be better because if you're going, I want to build something that lasts, you start going, what do I need to move out of the way to ensure that we're in church? Why? Because that's what we want. That's what we want for our kids. That's what we want them to be. We want that. It's amazing how many people come to church. They don't come for me. They're like, ah, take it or leave it. I, I need my, my kids. It's amazing. Hey, so I did, well, you know, kids are getting older. We, we figure we need to raise them in church. I'm like, hey, Lord, use whatever it takes. If you think that, they do need that, but you need this too. Okay? Because what happens is they're getting that over there, but then they're going home, and you're not doing I mean, we gotta, you gotta, you're trying to model. You ain't really modeling. You're doing a lot of do what I say and not what I do, and it, it ain't going to help you. And, and so it, it's like you, you begin to realize. I, I heard a story even in between. It was awesome. Liam, the young man who was up here, he read the scripture, led us in a song, prayed. What was so awesome for me, I'm standing over here and he's doing that. I can only imagine the joy and the pride of a father, Adrian, who's over here, who leads us in worship regularly, is on a guitar watching his son. And he shared with me a story actually in between service. Because Liam's a great little athlete too. Liam had a, a baseball tournament that was in conflict with him being able to lead worship. So he's having a dialogue with his dad. And he, his dad says, well, son, I mean, we're big on if we committed to something, we're going to stick to our commitment, but what do you feel like you should do? So Liam thought about it, and he prayed. 
He talked to his dad. He's like, I feel like I should lead worship. And, of course, as a dad, you know, especially when you're trying to teach your son, you know, fulfill your commitments, stick to what you say. At first, you want to go, well, hold on. We, but he was reminded. Adrian was. And he's sharing this with me right after service, after the first service. He's saying, I was reminded of when Tracy was pregnant with Liam. Someone prayed and said as he was praying over Liam being in the womb. That that child would sing the praises of the Lord. He's like, I don't even remember that. But it was like the Lord reminded me in the middle of this conversation with my child. And so what's a dad to do? He's like, all right, you lead in worship. I'm calling you baseball coach, sorry. <laughs> Y'all going to have to move the tournament or he just ain't going to be there. Why? Because that's a mom. It's not easy. I'm not telling you it's easy. But when you prioritize, can I tell you something? Something powerful happens when you prioritize getting your kids in the right environment. And then you model that for them as well. Man, watch out, because you start raising up the next generation, just watch what God's going to do in and through them. Here's the fourth thing that I think we can do to raise up the next generation. It's this, intentionally be present. Intentionally be present. Psalms 145.4 says, one generation shall command your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Listen, I, by no means do I have this all figured out. I'm not, I, I, I have not always been really good at this. In fact, Wendy really helped me with this because I'm not good at this. But when you start adjusting your rhythm to be intentionally engaged, something happens with your kids. And it looks different in seasons. I'll give you just a simple example that I kind of implemented about a year and a half ago was really dialing into date nights with my girls. So every Monday, 5 o'clock. It's on, and, in fact, it's not on my personal calendar. It's on my work calendar. So the team knows, hey, don't schedule anything for me near this or too close to this because I got, I, got I got a date with a little girl who's looking forward to this. And so they love it because they'll rotate. I do one each month, and then, you know, I got three girls. So then the fourth week, they love it because it's like, you know, date night with all of them. So it's like party with dad, you know. And, and it's not always expensive. Sometimes we eat. Sometimes we go out. I'll tell you one thing. I, I, they love to go to Cabela's and Shields. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I raised them right. Let's go. We just hang out and walk around Cabela's and Shields, you know. You know, it's like, but what is it? Here's what I love the most. Yes, my time with them is what I love. But I love what it started to produce. Because they dialogue with one another about whose date night it is. And, you know, one way, hey, Willow's really looking forward to this night. Or, hey, Meadow, or da 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 And, you know. And I love that because what happened? It wasn't expensive. It wasn't fancy. It's not all night long. But what's begun to happen is that intentionality has created a relationship that allows me to help build them up. Well, practically, okay, what does that look like? Well, it's time and proximity. If you have little kids, maybe it's prayer time or listening to worship in the car or taking them to a park or maybe it's date night. If you have older kids... Maybe it's sitting down and asking them about their day and how are things going. It's getting to know their friends. It's being the house that all the kids want to hang out at. Well, yeah, I know. That creates a mess, and it costs a lot of food. And I can remember some of the greatest counsel that we got from uh, our exec pastor, Jeff Peltier. They were here a couple of weeks ago. His wife, Ginger, was here. She told Wendy this. She said, as your kids get into middle school, she said, basically just stock up on food and always have food on hand. Because you want those kids hanging out with you. Can I tell you, I'm going to be transparent. I know you may be thinking, golly, like you should be more relational and inviting. I'm like, to me, that sounds like work. I'm like, man, kids running around. I've done youth ministry. I know the mess they make. And guess who's going to clean it up? 
So my flesh goes, I don't want any of that. But my spirit says, I want to build up the next generation. Yeah, bring all them teenagers over to our house. Feed them all. Let's hang out. Let's build them up. It's time and proximity. See, because when you do that, you begin to shape a generation. And when you, when you begin to take time and have conversations, here's the thing that's most important. Here's what begins to happen. You begin to know your kids and know your kids. And both of them are important. Your kids want to be known, but can I tell you something? Your kids also want you to tell them no. And sometimes, depending on how we were raised, if we had a real harsh upbringing, we don't want to tell our kids no too much. Or if we had a harsh upbringing, we think, well, I'm not as bad as my parents, but it's good. I mean, I turned out okay, so they need a little tough love. Well, yeah, they also want to be known. They want to be have a conversation. They want you to talk with them, not just at them. But in the same hand, if you're afraid of being so harsh or hard or experiencing what you experienced growing up, you end up enabling your child. And you don't set boundaries and guidelines and you don't put limitations there and you don't help teach them the why behind the what. And what ends up happening is that will produce resentment. Both of those will produce resentment. And at the end of the day, what we all want is a life-giving relationship with our kids, not just when they're in our home and they have to be there. But when they're out of our home, and guess what? They don't have to be there. (laughs) There's nothing greater than when your kids don't have to be home and they want to come home. But where does that come from? It starts now. You can do it. Here's our prayer for you. As a church, our prayer for you is this. That your children and your students, your teenagers would get connected and that they would own their faith. They would get connected and own their faith. And you may be saying, okay, well, what do you want me to do practically? Here's what I'm asking you to do. Pray. Pray for this generation. Be a part of praying for this generation. Be a part of of being involved in praying for them and believing for them. Pray for your own kids. Pray for your kids' friends. All of it. But here's the second thing I'm going to encourage you is serve. Serve. Be a part. You can be a part of retreats and camps periodically. You may serve on a Wednesday night. Maybe you got students that are a part of Elevate, and you're already bringing them up here and dropping them off, you know what, you could be a part of serving here and being a part and helping out and making a way for other young people. But if you do have children and you do have students, here's the last thing I want to encourage you with. Get them in the right environments. We have something special coming up, and Alex is going to talk more about it here in just a minute, but in just a few months, we're going to have fall retreat. And it's moments like this, these intentional moments like fall retreat, They create environments for young people to meet Jesus and experience his presence like never before. Why is that so important? Because the presence of God is irresistible. The Holy Spirit can do more in a young person's life in one moment than I can try and do over my child's lifetime. I can't do it. The Lord will help me and the Lord will help you.